0: Welcome to AWS She Builds Tech Skills with your host, Claire and Andrea. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of AWS She Builds Tech Skills Program of North America. For those of you who have not met before, my name is Claire Holly, and I lead a team of solution architects in the Northeast for enterprise to mid-large accounts. And today, um, pretty much I know we have a few viewers here who have not heard about the program before. So just to give you a little bit of information about the program, the idea behind the She Builds Tech Skills program is to create an inclusive and technical skills development program aimed to empower women, people who identify as women and underrepresented communities to build STEM careers while developing them into the future leaders in technology. We also aim to highlight how our customers, many of whom are women, are making an impact in the field of technology. So today, I'm actually joined with my co-host, Andrea. Andrea, do you want to introduce yourself?
1: Sure. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Um, My name is Andrea Sabat, and I'm also a uh, solution architect leader, and I'm based out of New York City. Not today. Today, I'm in Boston, but generally, you find me in New York City. I work um, at Amazon and uh, more specifically, AWS. And, um, you know, my team focuses on specifically cloud native customers, right? So I have a large team spanning a scope of East of United States. So my background, um, you know, really it's, it's um, technology. I mean, I started in physics, um, you know, and then eventually kind of led me into a career with IBM and I started kind of learning and being super passionate about learning everything that was about computer systems. You know talking about that i think one of the great initiatives that we have embarked on as part of the she builds is really to provide you audience an opportunity if you're outside aws and amazon an opportunity for you to seek and be paired with a mentor at amazon so if that's something you're interested in please you know just post it in the chat Or, you know, take our email address. I think we just uh, thank you. Our moderator, Candice, by the way, she's going to help answer any questions that you have in the the chat. So please, you know, keep it interactive. But you can can email us at that uh, address if you're interested in the mentorship opportunity. So with that said, a couple of things I would also ask our audience, if you're watching, please also, you know, say, where are you dialing in from? Where, where are you, you know, watching us from? We'd love to know. All right. So with that, the big theme of today in our conversation is going to be about, you know, reinventing yourself and being in the field of technology. I'm sure, you know, a lot of you had to um, learn new skills along the way, you know, personally myself, you know, being in the field of technology and the field of physics. And then moving into technology, you know, I kind of had to learn programming and software. But with that said, my first area of focus was infra- infrastructure, storage, networking, compute. And then over time, you know, the big thing came about. There was a big trend about big data. I'm not sure. And I'm sure everyone heard about artificial intelligence and data science, it was something cool and innovative. So the company I worked for at the time, I found out that there was an incentive i could get funding to go and you know get myself educated in this field so i pursued essentially embarked on this journey to go and learn data science and that became a huge part of who you know how my career evolved over time so i learned and grew passion for data science and anything related to artificial intelligence Claire, um i'm sure you know you've been in this field for a very long time. What are ways that you had to reinvent yourself?
0: I'm not sure I want to say a very long time, but, (laughs) you know, it's ironic because I actually started off as an Oracle DBA on... For digital. And if you know anything about digital equipment, it was eventually bought by um, Compaq and then became HP. But I actually started learning about Oracle DBA, did it on Digital Unix as well as uh, Microsoft. And then eventually, you know these commercial databases, you had to start learning other databases. Nobody was just, most companies weren't just staying as a homogeneous database. They wanted to have a heterogeneous environment. So then I ended up started learning UDB, went into the whole UDB space for uh, a while, as well as then went into NoSQL. So NoSQL actually became like my big ticket database where I learned MongoDB. And again, it's just, you have to keep on continue learning. So if you just think that you're going to Learn one technology, it's never the case. You're reinventing yourself, you're learning those skills, you're challenging yourself because that's how you get those opportunities. So, going from NoSQL, I ended up getting into the whole um, database reliability engineering space, DRV. So, you may be like, what the heck is that? Well, from there, now you have to bring in automation because you're kind of responsible for the whole uh, life cycle of the database where it becomes like the machine, the, the whole machine, um, content delivery, everything. So, I mean, it was, it was definitely a lot of stuff that you had to learn. Uh, we did Terraform, we ended up doing Ansible, so, so always reinventing, constantly learning. So definitely, I mean, definitely like to know how our audience, how you guys have been able to reinvent yourself. I know some people are starting new in their career while some, you know, they've been in this industry a while. Maybe you switched from being a project manager and then you went into um, more into another technical space. Maybe you started off in networks. Maybe you went to security. Definitely interested to hear more about your journey as well. So I think this is kind of gives us a great segment, segue to who our guest will be today. So today we have Keisha Williams, who is actually going to be our guest. She's an award-winning technology leader with a passion for hands-on building. It's really ironic because I remember when I started at AWS, I first heard Keisha speaking, and it was so inspirational that I actually started following her and thing now right with with the time that we live in you just can go on linkedin and you can follow somebody and see here when they're speaking and everything and can join so i thought it was really interesting and just hearing her journey i mean she started off as a java developer and then went into the whole machine learning i mean right now she's considered an aws machine learning hero right? She is a graduate from an HBCU Spelman College. She's been on Tech Talks. You may have even seen her on This Is My Architecture. So without further ado, we're going to actually um, allow you to see the video, and therefore we can do a further deep dive after. When- other episodes of AWS She Builds Tech Skills in North America. Super excited to be here today. My name is Claire Holly. I'll be one of your hosts. Um, I'm also joined with Andrea Sabet, my other host. And today we have with us one of our award-winning software engineers. I mean, she's been on TED Talks. She's an AWS machine learning evangelist. She's been on Service Chats. Currently, she's a program director at Slalom, and she's the AWS Cloud Residency. Without further ado, welcome. Keisha. How are you? I'm doing well, Claire. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I mean, your journey into the cloud has been so inspirational. And I think our audience would definitely like to hear a little bit more about you, learn about your background and how it has actually prepared you for your current role. Sure.
2: That is a, a great question. I've been in tech for now it's 28 years, if you count my um internship with the NSA. And when I think back over that journey, I've I've really just reinvented myself over and over. So when I started my career, it was mainly in the Java software engineering space. And I then transitioned to the cloud. And that was just total life-changing, career-changing adventure that I'm still on. And then after the cloud, I leveled up on machine learning. And so when I talk about my journey, I always like to look at my per- my career progression with the technology. So that brings us to present day where I serve as the program director of Slalom's AWS Cloud Residency, which is a career
1: accelerator for cloud engineers. That's great. Thank you, Keisha, And we're super excited to have you here on the show. So as a woman pioneer in the field of tech, what I'd like to ask you is how do you navigate this male-dominated industry Um, Talk us through maybe some barriers, maybe challenges that you encountered and how you kind of navigated those to overcome them.
2: Sure, early on in my career, I would say I I suffered from what we talk about as imposter syndrome, um, self-confidence issues, mainly because I was always the only one in the room Um, either the only woman at the table or the only black person at the table. And just throughout my almost 30 years in tech early on, I faced a lot of of challenges because of that. Um, One, just throughout my career, I always felt that I was held to a different standard. and. I would oftentimes have to prove myself over and over and over again, that I was capable of, let's say, doing the next level of a role, Um, just really having to prove that over and over again before I would actually have that opportunity. Whereas my counterparts, I would see them get promoted um, based on what the perception was that they could, could do and could achieve. And so, like I said earlier, that caused me to battle a lot with self-confidence and imposter syndrome. But at some point in my career, I started realizing that I needed to find validation within myself, that I could not look to people, I could not look to promotions, I could not look to accolades to help me build that self-confidence, that those things could change at any moment. And I really had to start believing in myself, I'm um, celebrating myself. And once once I did that, it sort of just changed everything about how I interacted in the workplace, how I formed relationships with people. And That was really a turning point where I would say my career took off because I started just really believing in myself, believing in my skills. But then I also started sharing lessons learned and helping other people in the community to level up. And that is really now today how I judge success. For me, success is not about the title. It's not about how much money I make. It's more about how many people can I help on their journey in tech. And it's really what drives me in my personal life when I'm interacting with the community and what drives me at my current
0: um, job at Slalom.
1: Very inspiring. Thank you, Keisha.
0: No, definitely. You know, it's interesting that you talk about drive and impact, and I know you attended Spelman University, one of the historical HBCUs. I mean, do you feel that that helped prepare you for that foundation where to try to break through those barriers and those challenges and to help you develop that drive that you're uh, mentioning
2: i 100 percent agree with that now when i was at spelman at the time i didn't feel that way i just remember the the curriculum so i majored in computer science and a minor in mathematics i just remember the curriculum being so hard and i would look around at my friends like on the weekends they'd be out partying and i would be stuck in the computer lab trying to get my code to compile That is my memory of computer science at Spelman. But I can say that the curriculum there did prepare me from um, a technical perspective. I just remember that day I graduated from Spelman with computer science and mathematics. I really believed that I could solve any computer science any problem using technology and computer science because of of the curriculum so it really gave me a solid foundation to excel um, from a technical perspective and just also being around others like me it just it gave me a home and to this day i'm still in contact with um computer science majors that we, gra- we graduated at the same time, they're still my, my closest friends. And so that experience really gave me this close knit family where, it, where they're experiencing the same things that I'm experiencing at the same time in a technical career. And it really gave me that community that I don't think I could have really survived this long in tech without that. So I do, I definitely owe a lot of my success to Spelman and my experience there.
0: Keisha, it's so funny. You, you, that resonated me with me so well. I did not go to an HBCU, but I was a computer science major and all of my friends were out partying and I would be the one in the computer lab falling asleep trying to do the project. So it definitely resonated and I wish I would have had that kind of a knit back then as well. So great to hear that. I think that's very inspirational.
1: So Keisha, your past experience has now led you to be the program director at Slalom. Tell us a little bit more about the company. What does Slalom do? Um, Maybe their business um, and then specifically, you know, the team and the, the group that you're responsible for.
2: Sure, so Slalom is a global consulting firm, we have offices around the world. And we help companies and organizations build better software. And we also help them migrate to the cloud, build cloud native applications, and my team focuses solely on AWS. I lead the AWS cloud residency, like I mentioned before, it's a career accelerator for cloud engineers. So I lead a team of about 40-ish software engineering managers and cloud engineers. And what is really unique about Slalom's cloud residency program, we take um, people straight out of college. We also look at career changers that have gone through a coding bootcamp, and really anyone with less than three years of experience in tech we help them level up on the cloud and we have custom curriculum that we've put together so as soon as a person joins slalom they are part of the team they go through a three-month dedicated learning period where we train them up on the cloud we help them earn their solutions architect associate um, certification after the three months they are then staffed on real world client projects with mentors um, leaders in our program that sit alongside of them to continue that hands-on mentorship and really help them navigate their career world learn how to become better consultants and the journey is typically a year to a year and a half once they graduate from the program they move to their long term internal slalom team And I just remember when I was looking for a new role and I came across the cloud residency, it really spoke to me. I just knew I had to be a part of it because it allows me to combine two of my passions of just really mentoring and helping people on their journey in tech. And then I also have an opportunity to stay hands-on with the technology, building solutions for clients and helping our newer consultants navigate the work world. That's a a little bit about what I do at Slalom.
1: That's fantastic. Yeah, it's such a crucial uh, component with training and equipment, people with the right skills to be able to manage the cloud environment. Right.
0: So you mentioned how with this current role, it allowed you to continue to build and be hands-on. So we noticed um, one of your solutions you built was this public safety engine and we kind of want to understand what was the business use case behind this?
2: Sure, so I developed this several several years ago and it's gone through many iterations as the technologies and tools available to me changed. But it really started out as my, my first project using machine learning. So I wanted to learn more about AI and ML and how that could be applied in, in the real world and I learned by doing. And so I needed to come up with this hands-on use case that I could actually build and learn as I go. And so with that public safety model, it initially started out as just an educational, tool that I was going to use. And the, the business problem was related to crime. So if you've seen the movie Minority Report, it came out several, several years ago with Tom Cruise and there, in that movie there's this concept of pre-crime. And that's where a criminal is arrested right before they commit the crime because the police officers know a crime is about to happen. And so for my first use case, I decided to build pre-crime. And like I mentioned, it started out initially just for educational purposes, but as I started building out this solution, I started uncovering really the the true power of machine learning and the promise um, that machine learning has. And during that journey, I uncovered that machine learning could be used to remove bias from policing. And that really, that learning is what led me to the TED stage to talk about how machine learning can remove bias from policing. So, like I said, at first started out as an educational um, use case that I was using to learn, but then it really uncovered and turned into so much
1: more. And as you started this journey, um, Kish, I'd love to get your perspective of, you know where did you start? I mean, I guess the data, finding the data, you know finding how to remove those unbiased you know remove biases can you maybe speak to that and give us some insights as to what your exploration journey looked like
2: sure and like i mentioned before the system has really developed and evolved over the years as new tools and new technologies have come forward but like you mentioned the data, whenever you're building a machine learning system, data that you have that's at the heart and you have to have good data in order to produce systems that can make accurate predictions. And so I had this grand idea to (laughs) recreate and build pre-crime using machine learning. Um, The first thing I needed was data and it took me a long time to actually find and source the data. I looked um, for police departments across the United States trying to see if they made their data public. And I could not find one um, police um, station within the US, but I did eventually find data in the UK. So the UK publicizes their stop and search records um, going back for years. And so that was the foundation for building the public safety engine. So the public safety engine predicts crime in the UK, doesn't know a thing about the US because I didn't have access to that data. But once I had that data, Typically you call that data raw data, because it's not in a format that a machine can actually learn from. And so the biggest part um, that took the longest time was really taking that raw data and transforming it into what a machine could learn from. And so I went through the process of cleaning the data, um, looking for um, outliers, trying to convert text data to numeric data because machines can only learn from numbers. So I went through an encoding process. And with the first iteration, it took a very long time because I was doing everything manually. When I first started, um, AWS had a service called Amazon Machine Learning. And that was the service that I used. It did a lot of the heavy lifting, but I had to get the data ready. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to SageMaker, when SageMaker hit the market, I knew that I had to recreate that public safety engine, really using the power of SageMaker and a lot of the automation provided. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about taking the data through the SageMaker process, it was, it went faster, it was easier, it was more efficient. Um, SageMaker has data, a tool called Data Wrangler that really helps you pre process and clean that data and get it ready for the machine learning lifecycle. And so once I had access to SageMaker and those tools, it made the process so much easier.
0: Nice, very impressive. It sounds like that was very in depth to have to go through. To understand the data,
2: yeah, I would say I'm an expert now in crime in the UK. <laughs> I know when to go, but I know when not to go.
0: <laughs> you know, Keisha, one 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 consistent thing throughout this session is that you're constantly having to reinvent yourself. And I would like to know what advice and suggestions do you have to? women who are looking to pursue a field of technology? like what, what what, can you recommend for them? I mean, we always say that you're never too old to start, but what are some suggestions that you can give to some of our audience right now?
2: Sure. Uh, I definitely did not realize when I was back at Spelman all those years ago, majoring in computer science, that I was signing myself up for a career of lifelong learning. Um, I think once I finally accepted that fact that I couldn't just learn Java and just be good at Java to sustain a a long-term career, once I realized that I had to be in this continuous learning mode, I'm just always experimenting and trying to stay up-to-date with all of the, the latest and greatest technologies. And so for people wanting to transition or learn about machine learning, let's say you already have this software engineering background you already know how to code then i would say you need to transition your knowledge to python so i as a java developer i had to learn python i had to learn how to not code using semicolons and how to indent code because it's a compilation error Uh, so i had to really upskill on python and then once i understood python i really had to start exploring and learning the data science libraries available in python like pandas and numpy and really understanding Jupyter notebooks which is the ide of choice for um, data scientists and machine learning engineers and so i had to transition from java i had to learn python and then If you're, let's say your background, you don't really have this technical background, but you're still curious about machine learning, there are several no-code solutions that you can try. So for example, SageMaker Canvas, Um, if you're a person on the business side, you can use that tool to start experimenting with machine learning without really knowing how to code. So if if you're looking to start um, with machine learning and AI just know it's, it's not as hard as people make it out to be. When I initially started, I, was, I thought the technology was scary, that you needed to have a PhD and be working in a research lab to really understand how to apply that in the real world. And it's just not the case. When you have tools like SageMaker and SageMaker Canvas, it just really helps jumpstart your journey and give you the confidence that you'll be successful in, in what you're trying to
1: learn. That's fantastic. Thank you, Keisha, for sharing these experiences. I think it's truly helpful to get your perspective of it, given the fact that you are so kind of involved in these activities. And I hope the audience also could take some of these insights and, and leverage them in their day to day journeys as well. So Keisha, thank you so much for being on the show. We are super obviously honored to have you here. Uh, We're going to invite you back on to our upcoming episode to dive deep technically into the public safety engine to understand what goes on behind it. As I understand, it runs on AWS. So we're going to have you back on for the next episode. Uh, And again, thanks for being on the show. And I want to also thank our viewers for watching and tuning in. Please like and subscribe and uh, we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you. Thank you, everyone.
1: Awesome, that was fantastic, just hearing Keisha talk about her experience, not as just navigating as a woman in this field, but also, you know, how she went about to focus on their data science project, right, and learn how to use machine learning as part of her practice. Um, So that was pretty fantastic, Claire, I'm, I'm sure you're excited about it, too. But with that, um, Candice, our moderator, she's going to post um, you know, a number of different links to Keisha's LinkedIn, as well as Slalom, that you can use um, to maybe gather more information about her and the company she's with. But Claire, I have a question for you. Watching this video, right? What resonated the most with you during this discussion?
0: You know, Andrea, when I looked at the video, I mean, I think I said it in there as well. It's, it kind of just reminds it takes me back to my college years. I mean, it's nice to hear that she went to HBCU where she kind of had that uh It gave her that foundation it also gave her a nice niche of people that was a great support system for her and that was something that i know i didn't have and you know as i go into my career i definitely resonate i'm normally the only female and if anything normally the only african-american female so it's always it can always be a little bit challenging and you get you get used to it but it's something that's still there so i think that really resonated a lot and always just feeling that you need to continue. You have to do more. There's always more that you feel that you need to do. So I thought it was great to hear that. And that's why I think she's such a great inspirational person
1: for a lot of people here.
0: Andrea, what about you? I could turn that question right back over to you.
1: Yeah, I was taking notes as we were talking here and uh, watching her video. You know, one thing that she said that resonated well with me is kind of that self-doubt, you know, seeking validation from others. I think we get so caught up with making sure that others kind of give us a thumbs up. Yeah, you know, you presented well, you said the right things. And I think we get so caught up in that. And um, just believing in yourself sometimes is is, you know, it's is it 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 takes a lot, right? Like in terms of just getting over that and not seeking validation from others. And I think we have a great way to go about to do it at Amazon, which I kind of personally have been braced and use it in my way of navigating the world. And it is You know, as we do business with our customers, obviously there's competitors and competition and um, not obsessing over competition because that's kind of where people get caught up. Right. Like they obsess so much about what others do that you lose sight of what you actually are trying to achieve. So obsessed about the problem at hand, obsessed about customers and the business outcomes be aware of your surrounding, be aware of the competition, but don't let that be a distraction. And I applied it in how I do things by personally myself is do the things that you're passionate about, You know, seeking ways that I can really do the things that I know I'm going to be able to make a difference and not obsess about what others think about me or what others are doing. I think that resonated so much with me. But with that said, I just wanted to know, obviously reveal that Keisha is here on the show. And I wanted to invite her to come and join us. Keisha, if you're on, there you go. Thank Hi. you for making time to come and join us here today. Super excited. Hey, exciting. Keisha. Hi. Hello,
2: I'm super <laughs> happy to be here live.
1: And you have such a big fan base. I mean, I've seen already we're getting questions from audience. So if you have any other questions, please feel free to put them in the chat. Um, but yeah, we just wanted to kind of dive a little bit deeper, uh, Keisha, and ask you a couple of follow-up questions to kind of the video segment that we watched. Okay. Um, just more importantly, I know we didn't do any preparation. So everyone, this is kind of unscripted. This is all, you know, <laughs> Keisha's kind of surprised, well, hopefully not surprised by some of these questions. Uh-oh. Now I'm worried.
0: No, I, I, like the one, I like the one that says that you're the BFF in their head. <laughs> Did you see that one? No, I didn't see that one. Oh, yeah. That one came yeah. up. I think they had a question in regards to their kids as well. Oh, good. Thank you. Oh, oh, look, there it goes right there.
1: So maybe we could take that one first, Keisha, if you have a minute to just...
0: Yeah, we'll go through it. It says, Keisha, yeah. so glad you're a part of this. I've been a fan of yours since you were at A Cloud Guru. We are BFF in my head. My question is, I have kids entering college now, and I tell them and other young people of color to go into IT, cloud computing, data science, and cybersecurity. Unfortunately, they don't listen. Please help me open their eyes to the benefits of going into this field. I plan on sharing this Twitch with them.
2: Yes, I know kids that age... Um, often don't want to listen. I have two kids in college. One is a senior. One is a sophomore. And from the time they were little, I really tried to expose them to technology because it it was just a life changing career choice for me, and I'm just very grateful that many years ago, I decided to major in computer science. Like, I don't know where my career would be, where my life would be if I hadn't done that. So anything that I can do to help inspire the next generation to choose a career in IT, I'd be happy to um,
1: do that. Fantastic. Keisha, a question for you. For someone who's interested, say, you know, we might have viewers who might be interested in developing a career in data science right you embarked on this and you learned it and you grew passion for you know machine learning what suggestions advice would you give for someone who would like to start in this field
2: my first um, piece of advice would be to learn python um, I think I talked about that a bit in this segment, but that is really the starting point. And I remember when I was starting to learn more about data science and machine learning, I had a choice. Um, I could either learn Python or I could learn the R programming language. And when I just compared the two, I really, um, I, I found that Python is just a great skill to have. And I could also use it outside of um, data science and machine learning. So I would say start with Python and then really start to explore the data science libraries that you can use to um, just really help jumpstart your just machine learning project. Um, If you're just getting started, and I didn't mention this in the segment, but look into the scikit-learn library. It's a great starting point for beginners um, in Python trying to learn machine learning.
1: Fantastic. And following to that, um, is there any easy to use tools or platforms that you would suggest someone could or should be looking into?
2: Yeah, if you're just getting started, There's a a free service. It's called SageMaker Studio Lab. It's a really lightweight Jupyter notebook environment that you can sign up for without having an AWS account, without needing a credit card. Um, So if you're just getting started, I highly recommend making use of that free environment.
0: Quick question, Keisha. Um, Someone mentioned about the, can you explain a little bit more about the Cloud Residency at Slalom?
2: Sure. The Cloud Residency is an amazing program. Um, it's a right now a two-year, maybe one, one and a half to two-year career accelerator for cloud engineers. We work with people straight out of college or career changers that have gone through a coding boot camp. Really, anyone with less than about three years of experience in tech, they join the cloud residency from day one. They are a full-time employee of Slalom, so it's, it's a paid position. You get benefits. But what's really unique is you have this learning journey that we've mapped out with custom curriculum. For the first three months, you are in what we call the dedicated learning period. So we're teaching you about cloud foundations, cloud architecture, serverless engineering, server-based engineering, DevOps, CI, CD. So for the first three months, you're just heads down learning with your cohort and with a mentor. At the end of the three months, we um, you sit for the Solutions Architect Associate exam. And then once you earn that, you're ready to be staffed on real world client projects where your mentor is typically staffed right alongside of you to continue that hands-on learning um, journey in the real world. So it. It is an amazing program. When I first heard about it, I just knew I had to be a part of it because it allows me to join my passions of helping and mentoring the younger generation and then still building and being hands-on with AWS.
0: So, Keisha, we want to take a quick pause and we want to see who has been paying attention in the audience. So, we have a question for the day. And normally when people get the question of the day, they get some type of a prize at the end. So, let's see who has been listening here. The question is, what was the original name of the service that Keisha used to help when she was cleaning the data in order to take it from raw data to what a machine could learn from? And then we just had thank you, Candace, for putting it in the chat. And people and anyone can just write that answer down. Whoever actually uh, puts it in the chat first, they will get the prize. I think there's another question. What if you come in with a solution architect certification already, Keisha? What happens if the person already comes in with that?
2: Well, you may be a little more advanced than the other residents in the program. Um, We we don't really expect anyone to have any cloud knowledge before coming to the program. So most of our residents, well, none of them have certifications coming into the program.
0: So, pre-crime is the name of the application. So, when we're talking about what was the AWS service, I kind of give it away, right? So, it is a service. <laughs> I'll give a little bit more of a hint, okay? Uh, the service has been renamed. You're right. What's the original name of SageMaker? Ah, ah. That so easy. That's so easy. <laughs> I know, but you know, some people. They, you think about it. Everyone knows. I know. Dang it, right? <laughs> um, everyone knows Sage Maker, but they don't know what the original um name was. So I know this is a little challenging.
1: It is challenging. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that, that's why Jupiter, Jupiter. Notebooks. <laughs> no, so you're almost. Still, almost, you are almost a- there. Just think about um you know what what S-Maker. is Sage Mer- yeah sage SageMaker used for some <laughs> S- SageMaker is used for what you use Jupiter. that's right so put the whole answer together that's the original name no not data wrangler somebody just put M. <laughs> Well uh, oh, yeah. uh, you're, you're gonna be like, oh my goodness, that was so easy. <laughs> uh Babo, you're you're the closest one. And I'm gonna tell you, put Amazon in front of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I know this was a hard one. <laughs> I didn't even think it was that hard. Yes. Frontier oh, yes. <laughs> Booth got it.
2: <laughs> Amazon machine learning was the precursor to Sage
0: yeah, See, Most of us would not have known that. <laughs> so, I mean, it was a little challenging. Yeah, <laughs> congratulations. Um, Candace will reach out to you to give you your prize. And do we have any additional questions for Keisha?
1: Yeah, that must be, this is your time. It's a- um, we'll have also kind of upcoming as well, Keisha, we'll have the second phase of this interview um, in uh, two weeks. And that's where we will dive deep into this pre-crime, uh, you know, crime predictor platform to understand the services that you specifically used. So I would encourage our audience to dial in and tune in because uh, we're going to go behind and figure out, you know, how specifically you built this. Uh, But if there's any questions that the audience have, now is the time. But you also have time in two weeks to have those questions again. All right. With that said, Keisha, I really wanted to thank you so much for for coming on the show. Anything specific that comes to mind, Keisha, on your side that you want to share with us, our viewers? Any final thoughts?
2: Yeah, I'm just I'm really looking forward to the next session where I'm able to just dive deep in the architecture and talk you all through that um, pre crime system that I developed, but I just hope that our time together today has just really inspired you all to explore machine learning like it's really not as difficult or scary as people make it out to be and when I look at where the industry is and just the demand for the different skill sets AI and machi- machine learning the demand for that is just continuing to grow so just please just start exploring and, and learning it it's it's not as difficult as people make it out to be
1: fantastic thank you so tune in May 9th. Uh, That's the Tuesday. So we'll be at the same time. I think it's 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So tune in. Kisha, thank you so much for your time and for being on the show. And if you like this show, please like and subscribe. And keep, um, yeah, just uh, you'll get the, there we go. That's our YouTube channel as well. And uh, we keep producing these contents on a regular basis. So please follow us. And I really like to thank everyone for tuning in and watching and thanks Keisha again for being on the show.
2: It's my pleasure. Thanks everyone.
1: All right, have everyone. A great day. Bye-bye.
2: Bye.